Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm so glad you chose to join us tonight. I think we're in for a delightful episode. The, uh, the topic tonight is seeing in the dark, and our guest tonight is Shemeli Harda. We're going to bring her on in just a minute, but I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the notion of the, of, of the dark or perhaps the shadow. I mean, so many times on the show we'll have uh, um, we'll talk about the uh, perhaps the shadow side of the collective consciousness, perhaps the um, um, the the um, unresolved emotional and and mental imprinting in our psyche, and uh, what I like is uh, to understand the value and perhaps uh, the purpose, if you will, of the shadow. Here on this planet, certainly, I suggest, the notion I get is planet Earth is one of one of the most advanced classes in karmic or shadow imprinting that a soul can experience in perhaps our, our universe or galaxy. Now, I don't get around the galaxy that much, so I'm... I'm trusting my my gut feeling about it, but I think the, the the shadow side of our culture, I mean, just look at our past. I mean, the the human psyche has been scarred so many ways on this planet that a lot of times we can have the tendency to, um, I, it's like we're treading water, we're just trying to slug through our life, and we're we're just trying to, break even if you will um certainly there's been many stories of struggle and heartache on this show but um the notion of of the power of the shadow and what i mean by the power of the shadow is uh, i think our souls choose to create um opportunities to have experiences and in other words, if everybody on the planet was um, a being of light, there'd be no need for a savior. The Jesus archetype would be obsolete. There'd be nobody to save. And uh, the notion of the hero, well, the hero has to have a villain. And the villain typically is uh, an atrocity that's beyond the comprehension of the rank and file human being. The hero has that exception, has that uh, the courage, if you will, that is not found in the everyday persona. And and our souls, I, I suggest, our souls chose to go so flipping far into the darkness that we forgot who we are, who we are. We forgot our power. We forgot our our uh, potential, if you will, and and then to incarnate to come into onto this planet 
if you can find the, the light of unconditional love at the core of your being on planet Earth as a human being, you're a, you're a Jedi master. You're a, that's an accomplished soul. Be, um, and so when we talk about the, the, the shadow side or the dark side of, of our human persona, if you will, it, it's really a gift. It's, uh, in some sense, it's kind of like an alarm clock to wake us up when we, when we hear of atrocities in the collective. It's to ring our bell to awaken the, the hero archetype, to awaken our higher self, to, to, um, to awaken a desire to connect for a more authentic truth at the core of our being, if you will. And so um, what I like about uh, episodes like tonight is there's a real um, – a treasure chest, if you will, to to re- recognize that when you when you uh, awaken or you you brush up against some of the the, the darker side of your own psyche, uh, the the reaction can be to um, to want to shut it back down and and push it down, but actually. If it if it comes into your consciousness, if it go if it comes out of the subconscious into a conscious sensation, that's pay dirt. That's just raw pay dirt because it's an opportunity to heal. And that's why I'm so delighted to have Shamali back on and talk about this this topic. And I think we should get right to it because I know I know time's going to go zing. Um, Again, the topic tonight is seen in the dark, and our guest tonight is Shamali Arda, and uh, seen in the dark is reclaiming the wisdom of the dark goddess to find roots and resilience in the time of the great unraveling. I love that. Shamali is a yogini and a women's wisdom keeper. She's the founder of Awakening Women's Wisdom School. And for more than 28 years, talk about having some skin in the game, for more than 28 years has been immersed in the studies and practices of women's spirituality, facilitating retreats, trainings, and online global circles. She is especially appreciated for her love of mythology and the storytelling as a key to spiritual awakening and social change. And if you want to learn more about her while we have this episode, you can go to awakeningwoman.com. Please join me in welcoming Shamili on the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Very kind introduction. Thank you so much. So, seeing in the dark, that that draws a metaphor out. I mean, can you kind of embellish why you chose that, that title? Mm. Mm. There is one um, beautiful... Uh, kind of life view that is out of the goddess uh, tradition that, that tells us that uh, 
three quarters of the universe and also our consciousness are in the dark. It's unconscious, and then one quarter is light. And as the light expands and as we become more conscious, the darkness also expands. And it gives kind of a uh, an opportunity for us to, to not, instead of fighting and pushing away the dark, we can relate to it even when it is out of our reach or even if it is in the shadows. And the deeper we go into this work, we begin to um, be able to stay conscious uh, in deeper and deeper layers of our being. And the, the kind of the great promise of the goddess is wholeness, is to weave us back into a, in, our intrinsic belonging in the world, a world that is full of darkness and light, like you were speaking about in the beginning. In my um, in Nordic path, I come from Norway, uh, up in, in the you know, very old Neolithic uh, roots from the north, we find that the great goddess, and her name was Hiel, and uh, Hiel was in, in originally the, the, the great mother. It means just the, the body of the, you know, of the cosmos and the earth. Everything is her body. Everything is goddess. And then uh, there was a shift in consciousness, shift in civilization, the movement, of uh, of the human uh, tribes and uh, it was a social shift where more male gods got introduced and in that shift here the great totality of existence became split up and here now became in the human consciousness uh, the she she get pushed down into the underworld so she was now the goddess of death but still she was part of the big spectrum of divine that at that point still that it was a reverence for that part too. But then, of course, with the introduction of Christianity, we saw that Hiel uh, turned into hell, hell. Uh, and she was uh, uh, you know, solid, solidly uh, vilified and pushed into the out, outside of uh, what um, we call acceptable. And uh, in the goddess tradition, along with so many Western traditions, um, we are told that it is actually that split that is the root of suffering. Uh, it's that split in, in a totality that is undividable. It's only split in the human consciousness uh, that makes us um, uh, makes unnecessary suffering. Because, um, you know, the goddess is she's the dark goddess and any shadow traveler is challenging because, um, you know, we... Ha- we it points to uh, a greater capacity within us to, to, to hold a bigger sense of self that includes the totality of life. And, um, you know, the world, it has intrinsic suffering. It is, we are all aging, there is sickness, there is, you know, everything is food for something else. All of this is part of, of the whole, uh, you know, brilliance of, of Earth, the Earth cycle. Um, but there is extra suffering that we human have, uh, which is uh, arising out of this unnecessary split, where we have created a whole identity that is uh, dependent on pushing away parts of life. Uh, you know, we see it as you know we 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 don't want to uh, deal with death. We don't. You know, that is something 
we should, taboo or something we shouldn't talk about. We want we don't want to deal with the dark the part of us. We don't have room for it in our spiritual concept. Um, but of course, it, they don't go away. And then we begin to see this uh, tremendous uh, nightmare that we create for ourselves there on Earth, which is kind of our on this own shadow parts that are just running around without parental supervision. <laughs> that draws an image. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the you know the fruit of shadow work in this context is uh, is to be woven back into wholeness, and in that we discover uh, an aspect of our consciousness that is you know peaceful and connected, uh, even in the midst of uh, of challenging times. It's not dependent on things being a certain way for us to feel present. Um, I remember that I I came out of a spiritual training when I was young uh, that you know was very emphasizing transcendence as if freedom was found away from body, away from earth, away from feelings, and I found very few uh, pathways for me to integrate. Of my spiritual awakening in the way I was living, you know, the way I was embodying and, and, and relating. And uh, for me, the the work with the dark goddess has uh, given me that kind of deep, compassionate space uh, and the capacity to hold a greater and greater uh, honesty and authenticity and uh, wholeness of who I am and... and uh, and who the what the world is. Nice. The, the a lot of times the notion of the the darkness or the shadow is really kind of labeled taboo or to be avoided um, by the collective. Uh, I mean, if you look at the the notion of a witch or um, um, you know, I. It, I, I think of the era of burning witches at the stake. I mean, the, um, I, I think we can have a, a subconscious memory, if you will, that's connected to our power because it, it seems like in our history, um, a few centuries ago, really not that long ago in the in the galactic scale of things, that if if a human being, and and perhaps specifically a woman, uh, demonstrated um, a sense of power, it was called blasphemy. It was called um, mm. um, challenging the notion of of God's divinity, if you will, as as silly as mm. that sentence can seem. When we go, when uh, a lot of times when we go to look at the darkness, um, we can have a, a real mixed set of feelings about I mean um, perhaps part of us is saying why do I want to even stir that up because of the the pain memory of the past and and yet there's the desire for ourselves to heal or to become more whole I mean hmm. how do you how do you even approach the the notion of darkness I mean to to intentionally kind of step up to it, to step to that, step up to the doorway of the of the shadow or the darkness, and push the door open. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, my experience is that the, you know, the greater the light and the my capacity for presence to rest in source, um, it's almost like unavoidable. There's an intelligence within me. There is a I, what I feel as an evolutionary momentum and a, a river within me that just keeps opening doors. Uh, for me, this you know awakening journey is a. It's as much to do with integration as it has to do with transcendence. It's both. You know, like the deeper we go into to actually living and, and giving from our awakening, uh, we have to deal with all of these fixed unconscious patterns that energy moves in that are you know, they are they are collective, you know, they are automatic, they are predictable the way we relate to each other, the way we fixed into fixes into opinions. You know, all of these are it's just they are carved there are pathways that are carved out for our energy. So it automatically goes goes in this uh, these these pathways. And what we see is that these pathways are not necessarily created out of a conscious part of us. So there is a, at least in my experience is that there is a there's a deep kind of thirst to see through these patterns, to see, ah, you know, to wake up in the midst of them and see that they are built on false ground. They are built of, upon false assumptions and then the unraveling begins. And it can be humiliating. Um, you know, I have gone through so so many phases, also as a spiritual teacher, where I have to face uh, aspects of, my, of myself that have been, that I have been blind to. And um, you know, there is, uh, of course, the, the option of, and certainly some chooses that option to turn away and kind of just cling to a certain identity of light. Um, but in, in my life path, that hasn't really been in, interesting for me. And for me, it, it becomes more and more painful to live in those, any boxes uh, when I can rest in the, in the consciousness that actually can stay awake with the totality of, of this world and from there I have found at least um, but I have more access to resources to intelligent action and more creativity instead of just these automatic uh, patterns you know in, in the in the goddess uh, mythology we often see that the great the, the dark goddess uh, one example that I think about now is Kali from the from the Hindu mythology and we see her oftentimes moving into battle as the force within us, as the for aspect of consciousness that is furious. And it's like it's a very powerful force she moves into battle because she's the one who wakes us up from these stubborn patterns that doesn't serve our freedom. And uh, sometimes it's that force that is needed for us to wake up. So, she, so there's a kindness in her rage. There's a compassion uh, and there is a, such a deep love that she, you know, she doesn't want to let us uh, play any games or waste our lives in these patterns. Even though they look grossy on the outside, they will never satisfy the thirst of the soul. But what we see she does when she enters in and meeting all of these kind of patterns of our of our personality, she meets all of these destructive uh, tracks. Uh, what she does is that she eats them. So she, she kind of devours the demons in the stories. 
And this is a, 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 such a powerful kind of shakti key. It's a key in our practice where uh, we see that every of these, every time we recognize shadow patterns in ourselves, the way that we have contributed to suffering, the way that we have contributed uh, to, um, you know, to to these uh, tr- tracks and just keep reinforcing them, when we awake to it, all of that energy that was spent uh, keeping this up, uh, and also energy we spent to try to try to avoid it. It's an enormous amount of energy we use to, to push away the dark. Um, all of that energy is released, and it is gushing back. It's like flooding your being. Uh, it becomes food for for the divine, you know, for that uh, power of the goddess within you. It becomes food for your own presence. Uh, so then... Uh, at least in my experience, and now I'm, I, you know, I, I have come to look forward to be humiliated, to see another blind spot, uh, because who is interested in keeping something that was false in the first place? <laughs> well, I, I think the to to uh, have another opportunity, if you will, to. Uh, devour it. I love the I love the the image of that to devour the the episode, if you will. Um, you bring it into it, presence, yeah. You bring it into the light of consciousness, feeds it. Yeah. I mean, it, if I just sit here and noodle the notion of of darkness in and of itself, it comes from to separate, to to um, break into multiples, to posture. To mm-hmm. um, deny mm-hmm. or reject, if you will, and mm-hmm. and then the way back, the way back to wholeness, comes through reintegration to to um, to mend or heal or commune the two separate parts back into one, and it it's the I guess it's in a big general sense in the beginning was the light with no separation no duality and then the delve the dive into duality and so far into duality that we've created this this um, shadow or darkness the way back home is to to gobble it up or or to integrate it all back into the oneness of of all that is if you will mm-hmm. yeah. and yeah. I I I really like what you're saying with from my experience the I mean I don't know how many times I've had extremely painful experiences in my life one time comes to mind when I was uh, I was going through a divorce I'm living by myself and and the separation from my kids just in the moment I mean they're still here and we're still connected but to to go through that divorce, I'm curled up on the kitchen floor by myself and there's just mm. so much immense pain in my psyche. And mm. um, I could push it away. I could I could say, F this hurts so I mean this is this is napalm. It is so painful to feel this pain. But mm. fast forward to, uh, through time and I recognize that 
any time that I, I I come up against anything in my psyche that has a uh, a shadow or a, a pain index to it, it's an aspect of my past that I haven't healed, and I want mm-hmm. I want to bring it through me to to release and dissipate it out of my psyche so I can be um, more whole and and really freer. I, I mean, I, I think every time you uh, you uh, re-trigger a reaction of avoidance, um, the energy expands, and the next time it's even perhaps more intimidating until you have the courage to turn and uh, and and allow it to to. I, I love your metaphor of devouring it, of of consuming it, because okay. on the other yeah. side of that is is a freedom. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, most of us have known this this process uh, through crisis, you know, when we, we, we lose a marriage or we get sick or uh, someone we love die. Or, um, and oftentimes these crises is what brings us back into alignment. It wakes us up. It can be painful, it can be raw, it can be unwanted, nothing we would choose. And yet it it brings us into a deeper connection. You know, suddenly we we look at our priorities, we see where we are compromised, we see, you know, we are sh- shaken back into alignment where we yeah, where we choose choose a little bit more consciously um our our priorities. Uh but um you know, at least what I find in the mythology, different stories of the world, we find these pathways of just human evolution throughout our lives that we can, uh, you know, that we can be that can inspire us to have that this kind of relationship to life as it comes. Uh, not that we have to process, or you know, it's not always we will lay on the floor in pain like every day. That's not how the work has to look. Um, all the time. Sometimes, sometimes we will fall apart in that way. But uh, if we get into the habit of being curious, if uh, someone reflects back to us um, something that f- feels triggering, uh, to be curious about what's going on inside, and to, you know, to, to be curious about the deeper roots instead of just leaping into the patterns of reactivity right away. Um, and you know, most people on the spiritual path have kind of. For me, that's kind of the definition of a yogini or a yogi or a spiritual practitioner is that you're you're stepped into the river of awakening, and then you you engage with life in a different way. Yeah, where it's not so much about creating the perfect life, it is more to engage in a creative way with life, so that this uh, you know the, the kind of the the freshness of evolution. Uh, of pr- presence can uh, can trickle into this world and and um, and on that you know path we will we, yeah we will we will see things <laughs> that we have spent a lot of energy trying to avoid yeah right well um, so you've created uh, this platform awakening women wisdom. 
when you, mm-hmm. I mean, for you to hold the space to create a safe place and to hold a safe place for women to come in perhaps ceremony, I don't want to put words in your mouth, and yeah. for, for you to create that vessel, if you will, as an opportunity for them to 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 see into the dark, to step into the the shadow of themselves. And I mean, how do you how how would you describe some of the transformation that you see in these women as they go through these uh, processes over time? Yeah, yeah. It is a tremendous honor to hold this kind of space, and I have found, you know, uh, that it takes a lot of integrity. And uh, I, I will say that the, the space needs to be impeccable in the sense that it's it's deep, deep work. It's deep, holy work, and part of the work is the dismantling of false selves, one can say, or false—I uh, call them the patterns—the um, uh, dismantling of of what we have called ourselves, you know, so like in any path of spiritual awakening, it is a path of of seeing how energy has been trained to move in patterns uh, that we call myself, our personality, uh, that is not necessarily something we chose or it's not necessarily all there is, that there are a possibility to wake up to a sense of self that includes all of these patterns but it is bigger and deeper and uh, and untouched by them in one way. And from there, we have so much creativity to um, to contribute uh, in our lives, in our community, in our families, in the world. And um, so, I would I would I would define it as a homecoming, a, a, a deep fundamental homecoming into our intrinsic belonging in the world. So also on earth, in the body, in to to begin to align our movement on planet earth with the cycles of earth and the cycles of everything, cycles of creativity, cycles of evolution. When we can begin to align ourselves with that, which requires of us to tolerate death and to be present with death and to know that death is inevitable, to not push that away to know the impermanence of all of this. And uh, and then for allow for a, a total engagement with that knowing, not as a blind faith, but a you know, seeing in the dark with eyes wide open. Um right. there's a, you know, there's a willingness to meet uh, the unbearable also. Like right now, what's very present in our community is of course uh, the climate crisis and the reports that came out of the United Nations this spring, uh, which is, you know, very, very clear that uh, we are we are facing the next decade that's going to be challenging for us, and there is a challenge in 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 that. But I feel that, like I, I feel my life has been a preparation for this time, that I have trained myself to be able to feel pain. Uh, like to, I, I have a capacity to feel feelings, and I think it's an important capacity when we are facing the unbearable, because part of us just want to contract and shrink away and numb ourselves 
and, and just look the other way. And then we feel guilty and we feel shame. And then we want to numb from that too. And then we feel exhausted even before we have done anything good for the world. Uh, And uh, so I I just see very practically how, first of all, just that that you have some kind of awakening to a sense of self, to your own presence that is deeper than all of these feelings. It's kind of a, a superpower right now because you know yourself to be bigger, and that means that when the shame comes, um, you can feel it as a feeling, not as the full identity of who you are. Uh, you can face all the places that uh, that I, I am in active process of how I have been so blind to my plastic use. Even I'm doing, you know, I'm I'm living in Northern California. I shop all organic and all, you know, but now waking up to to wanting to reduce plastic, I'm suddenly aware of it that I can't even turn around without having, you know, five pieces of plastic around me. And there's a part of me that just feels so overwhelmed by it that I want to turn away, but I'm committed, and then I go through. It's just like any addiction, you know, like you go through all the different layers of shame, of facing the reality and from there, change can happen. I can actually be part of the solution instead of just mindlessly feeding into this uh, craziness. So it's just one little thing. Uh, you know, we see it with the the, um, the awakening around the, the Me Too movement, the anti-racism movement. All of these great revolutions of awakening requires of us the capacity to feel our shame, feel guilt. All of these are not dangerous feelings. They're just feelings. And the more we have the capacity to stay present with them, we can stay present with with the, the process of, of change that is happening. Numbing that out. And, and to stay present in it, I mean, especially if, if you haven't, um, if you've chose uh, avoidance, uh, if you've chose to numb yourself, if you've chose to push it away, to, if you've chose to um, look the other way. To, to, I mean, when you talk about being present in it, um, it, it, the shadow side of the shadow side, if you will, in other words, if we, if we avoid it, if we numb ourselves to it, it shows up in our in our lives in very dysfunctional ways in our um, ability to be authentic to ourselves uh, mm. in our relationships. I mean, mm. it like I think relationships um, can be a vehicle of such really deep work because um, to to hold space for each other and then to individually go into that unknowingness to, to be vulnerable as you unravel yourself, especially if, if both people have had a habit of avoiding the shadow and then at, through their spiritual yearning, their spiritual journey, they decide that um, in order to truly be whole is to um, be able to see in the dark and to be able to mm. look at the shadow and not cringe and not uh, retreat or pull away. Um, 
the shadow side of of not dealing with your shadow is, I think, probably the root of a lot of uh, addictions or um, uh, dysfunctional avoidance, if you will. It is. It really it really dawned upon me when I started to phrase my relationship to plastic as an addiction because, like, I live in a culture that is addicted to oil. Yeah, like it's built on it. So when I labeled it as an addiction, I really also realized that a lot of, you know, the core of healing an addiction is 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 to step out of isolation. You know, addiction happens in isolation, and um, it is some healing that, in my belief, can only happen in relationship. Not, it has to be doesn't have to be a romantic relationship, but there are certain parts of our shadow sides that were created, or part of our, what we call our personality, was created in relationship, and um, relationship can mirror it back to us and bring it into light. And alone, uh, in isolation. It's hard. It's much harder to see it. You know, it's uh, it can be wonderful to. That's why I love. I love to practice also in circle, in community, because there is a part of that weaving work that I'm doing, which is not only awakening to presence, but how to embody it, and and also to awaken that kind of transcended presence inside uh, inside relations inside community like it's a weaving both ways it's fully into matter fully into cosmic and um and we are you know part of our consciousness is is collective it is uh yeah we, we take it very personally but it's actually happening in a collective field and that's where also we can be um, be aware of it in the mirrors of others and i you know i am in this experiment uh, with my husband uh, called marriage, and, <laughs> and it's been a, a tremendous journey. Nothing can bring up shadows more than uh, this for me than this journey to intimacy. Oh my goodness, it's uh, the most challenging and most rewarding journey I've ever taken in my life. Um, and we've been married now for yeah, I think it's been 18 years, and it keeps uh, revealing new layers, new layers. And you begin to see that this, that's why I'm calling them patterns, that it's not even habits or patterns that I chose. It's, it's just patterns that was passed on, you know, down my lineage and my ancestry. And I see that it's, it's collective, you know, a lot of these patterns. And when I pull the plug on one of them, I'm doing that for, for the collective field too. And also I believe that every awakening influences everybody. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, so. I mean, I like to I like to flip things over and and take the polar opposite point of view. So, I mean, so humanity's uh, <clears throat> coming out of uh, struggle and strife, and um, there's millions upon millions of seekers that want saviors to save their ass and what's the, what's the flip side of of the shadow and uh, what I'm getting at is um, so so there's the uh, uh, Jesus 
So Jesus is, um, in my words, an ambassador of love, and he and he comes to the mm-hmm. planet, and he embodies love, and it, it's it's such a, a, a decisive difference of of his persona. So what I'm getting at is, if if we see ourselves avoiding the shadow and we see ourselves posturing with the darkness and and we don't really want to go there, if we flip that over and we've totally, this is just an idealistic uh, perception, totally have healed our relationship with the darkness, with the shadow, with every face of pain and misery, and and we've 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 been able to stand in unconditional love in the presence of even the darkest of dark. How do we look as a persona to the collective? I mean, what would that persona look like? Um, mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the first thing that comes comes to me is um, is a much needed uh, humbleness and <laughs> humility in in human in our human presence here on earth. Um, the, my vision for that full integration is a, a human that lives not as a taker on earth, but the human presence here that uh, are you know deeply receptive and acting according to to what's to the greatest good for all not only the human race and not def- and not only for money and the market really you know that, that it's kind of a sense of a, a human leadership that is uh, ha- having the concern of the whole uh, in uh, in the forefront of all our choices and action and I don't, I don't, I believe that I, that is possible. I mean, we all have those capacities within us. Uh, we have defined love as something that we keep outside um, the more, more higher decision, decision-making organs. But it's uh, why, like we have, sometimes when I'm in a group of women and we access this tremendous uh, compassion, this tremendous uh, capacity to hold uh, the unbearable, to stay present with grief and age, and and uh, re re expanding our sense of self in the world. What I see there is just uh, it makes me always wonder uh, why why is why is this not in the forefront of how we create our lives on Earth? And in the bigger picture. The way that I, I don't, you know, we don't know for sure how people lived in prehistoric times, but uh, many archaeologists have found uh, quite, you know, quite evidence for a lot of cultures, human cultures here on Earth um, that lived in peace. There's one woman, she, she, she dug up many layers, like thousands of years in Eastern Europe um, of artif- of different art and, and tools from the Neolithic age and what she saw that you know each layer was another thousand years and she saw many thousand years where she couldn't find any weapons she just find, found a lot of goddess sculpture a lot of art 
and then before and after that there was weapons. So so she could kind of show that there has been times and cultures that have lived in peace. And so I and for me it's something relaxes in that because it's also part of the struggle today, I think part of what we numb ourselves out of is also this it's just this definition of human that has become this kind of parasite, you know, that we are the cause of the, the evil here now. And uh, that is important to face. And it's also important to, to consciously cultivate another identity or, a, or at least a vision of what we, we can see ourselves uh, be here on earth. Of course we can. We're made of the same. We are made of earth. We're made of this brilliance. When we see how earth is creating and how it creates uh, abundance and uh, constantly in communion and collaboration, we we are made of the same thing. Our very bodies are made of the same thing, the same intelligence. Uh, so it's not so far away, the the breadcrumbs of just how to do this. Uh, we 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 keep thinking that we have to find other solutions, but uh, in my view, there's a lot of wisdom if we are just uh, willing to go deeper into ourselves, into our own consciousness, and and seeing our, our consciousness as part of a bigger consciousness which this earth is also part of. So that's my little uh, soapbox. <laughs> I like your soapbox. <laughs> I like it. I like, I like uh, you said, compassion. And, I, mm. and it, you know, I find it very curious um, that these, these like 0. 0.0 times did a glowing orb come down from the skies during a war and silence the guns. Zero times did um, a glowing deity come and strong arm our human condition out of suffering. It's every single time these beings of love come, they have compassion and they, and they don't touch our free will. It's through our human condition that the change will happen. And and to be a human being and hold another human being in compassion, I think, is an extremely powerful perception. And then I also liked what you said about the many cultures, many uh, centuries or thousands of years of art. There's, I think, there's something that happens to you when you create, especially if you push... Uh, I don't know if push is the word, but if you push yourself into a challenge of creation and you stretch yourself, you challenge yourself, you grow your sense of self in this environment of challenge and then you come back to all, all the people that you relate to, you're born again. You're a different person. You have mm-hmm. evolved yourself. And if you mm-hmm. don't if you don't expand through expression, there's kind of a melancholy uh, um, uh, sense of, of your life slipping into the mundane where it's indifferent one day to the next. And, and that's kind of a slow motion um, um, death, if you will, or the lack of growth. So I, I, I like I really like the the notion of, of compassion and then the the example of humanity living um, a very long period of time 
expressing itself. It, I think that expressing is a fundamental nature of all consciousness. So I, such a beautiful response. So yeah, now, and also that, and also, but to live that is also, uh, you know, life. Part of the, you know, one of the core principles of life on Earth is diversity. So there's also, you know, sometimes I take myself and dreaming of a world where everybody thinks like me, uh, then it's going to be great. Yeah, <laughs> but but that's never <laughs> ever going to happen. Exactly, and it wouldn't really be a very healthy community. But what we see in nature is that diversity is essential for abundance and for for this, uh, yeah, eternal creativity. Uh, so for us humans, if we are, if we want, if we were deciding tomorrow that we were going to reach our society and compassion, uh, in in that commitment, we would then have to face a lot of shadow. Uh, unconscious way that we create division unnecessarily and ha- and, and our own intolerance for differences um, and then we would maybe have the possibility to create a world that will be full of differences. Humans will have all their different religions and different cultures and and that's just uh, that is not intrinsically a problem it's our fear for differences and our kind of identity on the surface that creates this uh, tremendous threat if our way of, you know, if, if, if I meet some, somebody living in a completely different way, it's almost like it's a threat to my own identity. But the more we can awaken to a sense of self that is bigger than the different cultural identities even, then we can also have more space for differences. I think it's an essential quality to consciously begin to practice today. If I if I was going to kind of uh, whip some wisdom in here or some kind of assignment, that's the assignment I would love to leave. Is actually to 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 consciously practice that kind of embracing consciousness, a, a consciousness that has space, and then begin to see the differences within yourself, but also with your partner, and also with uh, other cultures. Uh, and so on, and um, and from there, we, yeah, you know, we have this possibility to recreate, uh, you know, the way that we relate to differences. Well, I like that. Well, the, mm. you know, if if I look at my shadow, if I look at this um, unresolved pain or whatever in my psyche and my persona, and I look at it with shame or some kind of guilt or some kind of brokenness to it then I feel a lack of wholeness. And and my ego, when it observes the diversity of humanity and somebody else is embodying wholeness, there can be a, a real um, void, if you will, of self. And I think sometimes the ego responds in um, a negative connotation when it doesn't feel connected to its uh, wholeness or its own uh, um, the value of, of your own authenticity regardless of what that authenticity is and and um, to heal that shadow side to look at to look at the scars of your past and, and recognize that it doesn't devalue you in the slightest to have any history of pain or suffering 
it doesn't lessen you as a persona, as a human persona. Um, in fact, it's the the old soul, if you will, uh, the the souls that choose to go so damn far into the darkness. They're the they're the badass suckers that want to experience <laughs> the whole spectrum of of what the totality of what it means in to be a human persona, a human potential expressing itself equally in the shadow as in the light. Yeah. At one point in our spiritual path, we are asked to risk, to risk the totality of our being, to risk the the eternal space of our own consciousness, the capacity to hold everything, that no part has to be pushed away, to risk that we don't have to make this up, that we don't have to cling to spiritual ideas, that we can actually risk to fully uh, you know, let go into who we are and risk the, the, the basic goodness of our being. Um, so again, that we can hold these uh, mis, misformed uh, patterns of energy with compassion as they unravel and return into uh, into the into presence, which is pure creativity, which is an unpredictable presence is where evolution is happening. That's that's the only place evolution is happening. And uh, at least in my experience, the reward of that kind of work is just so much greater um, than to cling to certain boxes of who who I should be or who I want other people to see me or you know it's it becomes more and more less and less interesting for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if you think of the artistic expression, like um, if you look at music, there's the blues. I mean, you don't think yeah. of blues if you've been living high on the hill. I mean, I I think part of the desire of consciousness to even fragment is to is to look at the total possibilities of the type of expression. So time slipping by, I want to make sure our audience understands your platform and how um, they can work with you. Can you can you give us an idea? Because I know you have an event coming up next month, September, early September, in uh, Boulder, yes. Colorado. Um, share it's with a, our audience your platform and how they can engage your uh, material and uh, events. Yes. Uh, my work and practice and, and the community that I'm part of are in in its essence evolutionary. So we are in a great evolutionary shift here now also to really uh, create a platform and a container for for this kind of new new weaving work where our spirituality really uh, takes form in in, uh, in different you know in, in social justice action in, in environmental earth love um, so we are in the, in the birthing phase of a of a of a container for that Eugene village a village that we are creating so go to awakeningwomen.com awakening women that's plural women awakeningwomen.com and then you can read all about what's cooking and uh, we also have um, live events uh, all over the world in fact um, but the event next month is in Boulder, Colorado which is the most 
I mean, one of the most magical places on earth. Um, just beautiful, beautiful uh, sky in Colorado. <laughs> uh, yeah. My mind always gets so clear and bright when I am there. And we're going to practice with one of the dark goddesses, uh, Kali, uh, which is one of the one we also call the Dark Mother, which also, you know, includes her tremendous kindness and and compassion, and and kind of she's rooting for us to wake up to the real. She's rooting for our capacity to to face life in its fullness. Uh, that we know we're not going to die. No, we're not going to drown in sorrow. No, we're not going to stay there forever. Um, it's, 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 it is, in fact, our pushing away that keeps us all the time hooked in that unnecessary suffering of, of division. So uh, in, in this uh, weekend, we're going to go you know, really deep into, into practice in these... Uh, she's like a kind sister who will take, take you by the hand and lead you down into those closets that you have kept hidden and, you know, they're all dusty. And then she says... Right here is your authenticity. On the surface, trying to create or kind of uh, build up a power that is not rooted and while you try to push parts away. And she says that your real greatness is through your vulnerability and your willingness to be broken, to be failing, to not know everything. Right there, there is an intelligence trickling through that is much greater than anything we can make up and anything that we can build up. That's like the power of the whole universe. It's the same power that grows the hair on your head right now. It's the same power that moves the planets right now. That's what is beating the heart in your chest right now. It's that power that is available to us if we are willing to to um, to expand, to fully uh, drop deeper down, to also include that, uh, that dark mother that has been... Uh, been so vilified in our culture. Right. Well, mm-hmm. time is fleeting. Um, do you have any closing thoughts for us? <laughs> I just. Uh, <laughs> well, one of the one of the I just want to just and this is this is a tool that everybody knows already, and I want you to before I say it. Don't think in your head, yeah, yeah, I read that book, or yeah, yeah, I read that quote, because this is the mo- most, one of, I mean, the essential tool that I use all the time. And that is to yoke, to, to glue your awareness to the movement of your breath. Make it a habit. You're going to need it in the next, you know, all of us are going to need this in the next decades ahead. We need to find anchors in presence while we, you know, we are meeting different challenges. And the breath is always happening here now. And it can seem boring to just watch the breath. But after a while, you begin to see that presence is a space, is resources, is intelligence. And it is that those, it leads you to those roots deeper than those persona boxes that will dismantle sooner or later anyway. And, um, you know, just like in the beginning when you learned to brush your teeth when we were, you know, when we were children, we would, we would protest to brush our teeth, but now the neurological pathways to brush our teeth are so strong that it takes more energy to not brush our teeth. And we can actually, with that's the beauty of ongoing spiritual practice, is that we, if you glue your, your, 
your awareness to your breath in formal meditation, sitting meditation, maybe uh, after a while, it just becomes a way of living. It becomes a pathway. Your energy will automatically go there when you are stressed, when you are challenged, and and all of a sudden you have root and center in the situation. Uh, so don't start to practice in the crisis. Just that's the beauty of like doing it every day, even if it seems boring or nothing is happening. Now, when we are watching our breath, we're not looking for an experience. We are cultivating a relationship to life uh, that is rooted and, and and able to to be present. Well, very nice. Mm. Well, Shelley, <laughs> I want to uh, really just say thank you for being our guest tonight. The compassion mm. you have for humanity is palatable. And the passion mm-hmm. that you have to hold a space for for the women of of, of Earth, I mean, it, it's you really embody it. You walk the walk and talk the talk, and I just I, I really celebrate what you're doing. I thank you for being mm-hmm. our guest tonight. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much for inviting me. I always love to have these uh, jams with you. We've been talking with uh, Shamali, and the topic tonight has been seeing in the dark. So, so women, women, um, perhaps you you are a, facil- a facilitator yourself for um, the modality that you have for the the life purpose that you have. Um, I think part of what makes uh, holding space, if if you hold events at all, you're literally creating space for the transformation of our human condition. And the modality that you do that in is comes from within you. Um, I just, I want to acknowledge um, Shamali uh, at her authenticity and that um, we've had her on the show before. Um, when when the shadow comes up, when that vulnerability comes up, when that uneasiness comes up, it can be easy to uh, stop the episode, take a break, and and not um, stay present in the in the um, angst of it all, if you will. I, I very much recommend her. Um, uh, working with her to to grow your own sense of um, power, really courage, really um, to to be in that space of vulnerability. Uh, she's doing very powerful work, and I very much recommend um, her platform as a as a a way to go deeper into um, the potential that we all are. It, well, uh, time seems to have slipped by that temporal slippery stuff. Um, we're at the end of the episode, and here you are. You've, you've you stayed with us. I applaud you for showing up for yourself, for taking the time to grow yourself. It's always a pleasure for me to bring episodes like this to you for you. That's my passion, and uh, it's been fun. Until next time, thanks for listening. I'm Les Dancer. This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast. 
to bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's latest book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.